Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. I forgot, we switched to the headset, or from the headset for so long. You know, I was always wearing that, and I'm like, it's, it's on my head. And then I was like, you'll hear me in the room, but they won't hear me in their room. So welcome, good morning. Good to see you all. Something beautiful happens at the beginning of the year when we consecrate our lives before the Lord. Stuff comes out of us. It's even it models parallel with what we look out. It's outside. Everything's frozen. It's getting ready for the next stage. And I just want to encourage us to embrace it, to seek first God. Like, let's not move on too quick. Let's not get in spring. Let's not get in summer. Let's not get in next fall. Let's not just try to get through this season. And just, you know, oh, I just can't wait for something to pass. But let the Lord shape us and mold us in January 2020. And I believe it will impact our life in ways more than we can think or imagine. Ron, who you saw on the drum set today, but this week also led us for a time of prayer in the morning because we've been meeting at 622 and it's also been online. And he had a quote that I thought was so good when we think of the context of what prayer even is. He said, his mom would tell him, prayer changes things. And he said, yep. But one thing I know for sure is prayer always changes me. I thought, oh, that's it. Prayer can change things, but it most certainly always changes me, time. And maybe you've prayed for so long that you've gotten a little weary or formality. I've noticed we pray before dinner, which is not, you don't even have to do that scripturally. I had one friend, he made a joke when he was in Bible school. He goes, I have prayed for every meal for my life. What do you mean? He goes, yeah, I just thanked God for the rest of the food I'm gonna eat for my whole life. Now, the discipline, though, is for us to remember that food comes from God, everything comes from God. We're not nourished, we don't live on just what comes in us. We, we're, we need our spirit to be fed and we acknowledge Christ in that moment. We, we remember even uh, the Lord's Supper and in his sacrifice for us, and that's what can happen, but if I'm honest, before dinner, here's what sometimes our prayer time looks like. Dude, just somebody pray, 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 you know? And we just kind of go through the motions. Just pause for a moment. Before we enter the text today, let's not go through the motions. Because we're going to open up with a scripture that is words in red, meaning Jesus talking to us. What? Powerful. The word of God is alive. Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, notice it doesn't say if you pray. Go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's a good dad. He knows how to give good gifts to his kids. He knows when we need things. 
But what we need more than things is just him. The one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today's titled, Pray as if our life depends on it. I can't think of anybody better who models praying in their prayer closet than Daniel. Last month in the Legacy series, we looked at Daniel and how it's possible. Look at Daniel. But it was Daniel as a teenager not falling victim to the customs in a foreign land in trying to be forced for the Babylonian way, but standing out and he even has this, what is known as the Daniel fast, where he lives differently and God promotes him. And Daniel's then known for interpreting dreams. But here we're going to look at Daniel in his old age. In pictures, when Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, has often shown a younger Daniel. But Daniel's probably close to 80 years old when he's thrown into, so think Grandpa Daniel. Jeepa Danny. Grandpa is holding it down. Danny boy is going to show us some awesome faith as he understands the prayer closet in his relationship with God. Reading the story, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them three administers, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administers and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. Daniel gets faithful in a little. He'll be given more. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. This is very similar to a type of the story of Jesus. Looking, the Pharisees, looking to find something to incriminate Jesus, but knowing They couldn't find anything. They had to frame him. So Daniel is about to get framed, but actually get caught in the act. In the act of what? Prayer. Verse 6, so the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may King Darius live forever. Kind of, you know, massaging his ego a little bit. All the administrators of the kingdom The prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce and edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty established the edict and signed the document so that as a law of Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed. 
when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. So Daniel knows the stakes. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and he gave thanks to God, just as he had done before. Then these men went out as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that was for 30 days? Any person who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den? So the king is about to get um, in a lose-lose position. He likes Daniel. Daniel can serve the kingdom well. Daniel has an extraordinary spirit, but he can't go back on his word because now Daniel is caught in the act of serving the higher king as opposed to the earthly king himself. So the king answers as a law of Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they reply to the king. Okay, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles has ignored you, the king, for he prays three times a day. And as soon as the king heard this, he was displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. So the king is trying to think of a way to let Daniel out. Then these men went together to the king and said, you know, your majesty, it is the law. And it cannot be changed. Continuing, so the king gave the order and then brought Daniel and threw him into where the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. This ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus, who has rescued us from our sin. Things change for Daniel. Things might not always change for us. And ultimately, the hero is Jesus, who destroys sin. But this is a powerful picture of how God showed up for his servant, Daniel, to show his authority over kings, kingdoms, so-called rulers, and even an execution sentence that's shady. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his robe so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Signed, sealed, delivered. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. Remember when Jesus was turned into authorities and Pontius Pilate watched, look, hey, Not me, but you. This is very similar. And the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. The king said, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? He's probably waiting on the edge of his seat. Please, 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 please. Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent an angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him and also before you, your majesty. I have not done harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was brought up from the den, he found 
to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. Plot twist. They, this is hard, their children, their wives, they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Pray as if our life depends on it. There's five things I want to highlight about this story of Daniel not picking up prayer at 81. Daniel knew prayer when he was really young. So over time, it became something that he wouldn't walk from, run from. And even if it cost him his life, eh, I'm sure in the lion's den, he did pray as if his life depended on it. Fair? And he didn't know the lions. So if you, you just, let's entertain the skeptical thought for a minute. Haven't you seen those videos where the person knows the lion and they can lay with the lion? And, uh, you know, because the lion can be tamed or whatever. I don't think that's what's taking place at all. Because when the satraps, their children and their wives are put down, that they're devoured before they're even hitting the ground. So God is supernaturally showing up for Daniel to prove his reign and his rule. But what we're really getting a glimpse into is not the outcome. This is what I want us to separate for a minute. It's the input. It's the prayer time. It's the three times a day. So number one, secret intimacy is better than social applause. And private prayers are better than public praise. If there was a time for Daniel to turn, it could have been then. This month, I pray a fresh dose for me, a fresh dose for all of us, fresh dose for everybody tuning in, I care about our secret life more than our social life. It doesn't matter if anybody accepts us. We would rather be rejected for living the truth than accepted for living a lie. And to be known by God is greater than any praise we will ever get on this planet. Ever. When, look at, let's go back there. Look at verse 10. So when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, all right, he learned, he knows about it. So this is conscious, this is the key to the story. When he learned, he could have opted out for a new strategy. He goes into his house. The windows in his upstairs room open towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and he gave thanks to his God. Just as he had done when? When? Before. When the bombs fly is not the time to start praying. It's before. Which leads us to number two. Conviction comes from commitment in our secret prayer closet. 
That's when it starts. The conviction starts there. Let's go back and just look at Jeremiah 23 because we could say, well, I, I, I don't, like, is God going to see me and, and I, I just would rather cope in other ways? Friend, there's nothing we can do to hide from the Lord. Look at Jeremiah 23, 24. It says, can a man hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? You can run. I can run. But you can't hide from God. That's why in a weird way, it kind of haunts us until we get fully submitted and we're just like, God, I surrender. I commit. I commit. And what do we commit to? We live publicly for what we've already determined privately. Our convictions, our commitments are from our secret prayer closet. And can I just call out something that I I think is so heavy on us in our culture is the workout fad prayer thing we pick up. We're used to, you know, we're used to start start a diet. You know, remember Atkins was big, how it's keto. Keto will make sure no one has cancer for the rest of their lives. And, and then this another thing will come. And, and there will be another one. But we start to pick it up as fads. But anyone who has experienced real breakthrough, we know this, right? It's a lifestyle, y'all. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be two steps forward and sometimes three steps back. And we get back up and we move forward. Prayer can feel like that. We, I don't want us to to think that, okay, well, I got to get some convictions and I got to go in private and see it more as a love letter that God is waiting to meet with you privately. He's the only date that will never turn you down. He's the only one that will look at you with full attention all the time. That even when we're busy and we go through formality, he's still patient and like, oh, I would just love to connect today and talk to you about what you're carrying. That's where that famous passage, like, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer. Ask, request, and with thanksgiving, let it be known to God. And then God will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. But I got to let it go. I got to let it go and say it's hard, it's heavy, it hurts. God, this is not fun. There's many moments. But as we develop that in private, we start to realize, okay, so my values are determined before the war. My priorities, I have to determine prior. So let's hit the reset on some of the decisions we've made. There's a week left of 21 days of prayer. Even if you missed every day, maybe take it as an opportunity to reset. Start now. Because when do we pray? That's an obvious question, okay? All right, when do we pray? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and it says, be cheerful no matter what. This means in hard times, too. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. God's word hurts so good. 
God's word is not like the buffet line where we just a la carte. I'll take a little bit of that. I'm definitely not taking that. This is what it says all the time. The message puts it this way, rejoice always. Or that, I read it out of the message before, so the CSB uh, puts it this way, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Number three, uh, pray as if our life depends on it. Looking at Daniel, prayer is a habit for Daniel. He's the, the picture of consistency is more than intensity. That's the three times a day he gets down on his knees. Peter Scazzaro, who is famous for emotionally healthy spirituality and the book Emotionally Healthy Leadership and the whole emotionally healthy whatever. But he said he started learning the monastic ways and prayer and he called it daily office to meet with God. And he would schedule in his time and he still does this today. And um, I don't have this in my calendar currently and I hope to grow to that. I, I love the organic approach a little bit more like, hey God, let's talk all the time, but there's an intentionality when you put it on your calendar, he says, that the daily office is remembering us of this pattern that, that the Jews were so accustomed to, that the structure is good because it pauses us and it stops us to say, no matter what's going on in the world, I want to develop the habit of prayer three times a day. That's what Daniel did and got on his knees. Posture matters, y'all. Posture matters. Posture matters. Like getting on our knees. Maybe at the end of today, there's a time to, you know, be convicted. Or uh, maybe there's just a dedication moment. I don't know what that would look like. Maybe you want to get out of your seat. You don't have to. This isn't a contest. But maybe today is you just get out of your seat and get on your knees. I don't don't know. But but the invite is still the same, that to develop prayer is a habit. Cornelius looks like this in Acts. He, he's a great picture of the, the habit of prayer. And there was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea and is a captain of the Italian guard and a centurion stationed there. So he knows the soldier life. He was a thoroughly good man. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God. What a leader. He's leading his house in the ways of God. Was always helping people in need. He knew loved the city well, and he had the habit of prayer. One day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. And an angel of God, as real as his next-door neighbor, came in and said, Cornelius, I think what's so key to, to understand here is the vision didn't come often, but prayer did. And then some highlight moments, they might come. You know, if I eat pizza every day, I'm just, it's, it loses its effect. Thank God for fasting. Because at the end of the year, I was eating it like every day. I was like, oh, the fast is coming. It doesn't matter. The fast is coming. And now I just don't crave it as much. But, you know, pizza is kind of like a wow moment. So picture like there's the angels uh, showing up. Angel, okay, is, I'm joking. Angel is way bigger than pizza. But it just comes. And Cornelius stared hard, wondering if he was seeing things. Then he said, what do you want, sir? The angel said, your prayers and your neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. Whoa. Whoa. Your father, who sees in secret, will reward in private. Can I, can I just admit something for a second? I, I don't like, I don't like uh, corporate prayer meetings as much as I do private ones. Sometimes I wonder, why are we doing it? Do we think we're sweet? Is it another checkbox? 
because I hopefully it transcends this room to your closet when it's hard, when it's tough, when you want to give up and you say it hurts so bad, God. I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm carrying bitter, and I just want to cast it to you. I cast my cares on you. And he's faithful to show up there. There's a song that I wrote many years ago, Secret Place, and I hope it encourages you as you read the lyrics on the screen because it comes from a place when, it, when it's hard. And it came from a place when just being alone. And it came from a place where it's like, hey, praying to God in private is first telling myself, Jerome, that's way better than anything that could ever go on publicly. This is secret place. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever, and ever. Amen. Yeah, I think the words in Leah Fuss concerning me and lock the door so away to keep high me in your shelter. Don't let evil get to hurt of me. You the shepherd, I'm the sheep to follow closely and I watch while you leave. Listen next, speak right now, repeat. Rain my flavor to keep. Reform your hate, you meditate. I fall asleep, you want openly. It seems insanity. Sometimes I just can't take this reality. I want to fall out and crawl out. I know you hear me knocking, God. I'm only finding refuge in your arms. I'm just a sinner, God. Never thirst you, the waters of life. And when it's black, you the path that's guiding me right. You give me strength like Samson's might. And when I feel like a tank, shooting blanks with armies in sight. You make it work, give me peace. When I drum, take your feet. Purify more than four ministry. Keep the fruit clean. The prayers that they're praying inside of my secret place. Closed out, all alone. Come, won't you seek it? When I'm broken and hopeless and need a change Your door's open, I'm here to pray Do you know how I feel? Do you know God is real? Submit to His will, praise God and just chill Do you talk sometimes, listen and sit still Do you fight from the carpet, dig in and just feel? Moments I don't know how to break or what to say I take the people face, I'm on the carpet Just wanna see your face, make me better husband A better father, I bring a lot of things I'm not proud of, I need to sharpen And seek you often, you hear me calling My parents like Solomon, make me better leader To build your people, it's time to lethal Oh God, I need you, this is real talk My family needs you too, yo, I hate I you I see sin so thick, no more That's why I'm running high to your secret place, y'all There's no human present cause I ain't a heart to God and it's just all about ourselves and I'm no different. The reality is we need to be praying for his kingdom to come and glorifying his name and praying for others. Right now I want to pray for the church and the body of believers that Lord you forgive us of our sins God and I want to pray for the fatherless and the widows, God the orphans and the prisoners God. Pray for our enemies and ones that are sick and hungry, broken and empty. God I want to pray that your name would be glorified on this earth Jesus and people would 
grow in you and come to repentance and know that you're good and you're awesome. Father, I pray. Number four, peer pressure can't touch a deep passion fueled by God. Just, it just can't touch it. And these men said that about Daniel. We're never going to find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. They knew, eh, peer pressure ain't going to work with that one. Wow. Wow. I want to work the muscle of faith in my life, the muscle of prayer in my life, so much so that no matter where I'm at, I won't bow to peer pressure. And number five, ultimately, why do we pray as if our life depends on it? Because our life depends on God. So that's the play on words. You might say, oh, I'm not here in my life. I'm not going to be thrown in the lion's den. Yeah, but guess what, friend? Who gave us the lung in our air and our breath in our lungs that we're breathing. Oh, God. Who bought our lives with the high price by sending his only son to live the life we couldn't and die the death we should have. God. Who's always pursuing us that while we were still sinners, he showed his love for us. God. Who's here to minister at the deepest places of our life where we hurt the trauma, the compounding coping mechanisms, the escape outlets we are tempted to open the door for and not rule and take captive. God is the one giving us strength, giving us life. And by his grace, even the opportunity to, to worship him today. It's pretty neat. And he calls us friend. He calls us friend. So where our strength comes from, there's a quote by Roy Stockstill. And it says this, a man on his face can never fall from that position. Meekness is a virtue. Meekness is blessed or the meek. In other words, it's like we, we use a phrase here. Just go low. And go low is mean, take, let's take the servant route. Let's go the extra mile. Just go low. And my pride hurts when I go low. Yeah. Sometimes someone might advance the ball. Yeah. When do we stand up? Yeah, of course, you know, we got to do those things too, but there's not enough nukes we could get to stop the sin inside of mankind. So how do we do it? We fall on our knees before Jesus. And it may look like weakness to some, but it's strength to us who know where our help and our hope comes from. There's a passage in Romans 8, really powerful chapter. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And shout out to the debate on Romans 9, but we're just in 8, 31 through 39. And what's so cool about it is, 
it's basically like if I get out of the lion's den or not. Eh. It reads, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Lean into this one. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Prayer gives us a perspective like Romans 8 this passage right here. You can win now. In Christ, we win forever. The report might look bad now, but one day he's going to wipe away all the tears. There might be bad news on the TV, but the good news is that Jesus reigns. Prayer doesn't always change things like it did for Daniel, but prayer most certainly. Thank you, Ron always changes me. God, we thank you for who you are. We pray in this moment we would be people of conviction. People that no matter what, when the storms come or what they bring, we will put our lives in you. Every breath, everything we have, everything in you. You're our first love.